Hello, and welcome to the Utility Podcast. My name is Jeff Excel. As you can tell, I'm alone. Um, I'm recording this intro a little bit after we talked to Amit. It was a weird timing with the time zones. And so, yeah, it was just, we had such a good conversation that things went a little long. And so I'm just going to throw this, uh, throw this on there and say hello to everyone before we, before we begin. Um, I did want to say, I really appreciate all the feedback that people have been giving us about the podcast. I want to thank everyone who's watching and, um, yeah, we're trying to incorporate a little bit of a slimmer, uh, a slim down podcast experience for you guys. So, uh, so yeah, without further ado, we're going to go straight to, to admit. All right, today on the podcast, we have everyone's favorite spaces guest uh, and a fantastic photographer and a really thoughtful and kind human and one of my favorite people in the space, Amit Sharma. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Jeff. And and the feeling is absolutely mutual. Uh, Jeff and and Bernardo both. Uh, Such a pleasure to be in your company. I was... uh, very yeah, happy that we were able to get together. We hit, we're like spread across three time zones. And so it's like morning, yeah. e- afternoon and night. Afternoon and evening. Yeah, correct. Correct. It's, it, it feels to the fabulous, even though I'm, I was pretty nervous just because, uh, you know, you have to be, your, your face is there and your camera is recording. So, so I'm, I'm trying to uh, be as normal as I can, uh, but I, hopefully, uh, hopefully things will be all right. Yeah. Until I'm now, you to... seem until now you seem completely normal. So you've doing Thank you've you. been doing a good job. Time will tell. Time will tell. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm ready for the bouncers uh, <clears throat> or or the curveballs, as you say. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that is a is the bounces a cricket reference? That is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna start using it. That. People will be like, "What are you talking about?" Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, let's start off by talking about, I like talking about how people get into photography, but like what I really want to talk about is like, how did you get into photography to begin with? And then why did you take that craft into NFTs? That's kind of the two most interesting thing because like everyone has their origin story for NFTs, but there's always like, why? Like, why did you take it here? So why don't you run us through how you got here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, considering the paucity of time and rather long history of me being a photographer, I think it's important to sort of uh, quickly take you through the decades rather than years that, that it was essentially 1987 when I was 14 years old, when I caught the bug, when one uncle in the family used to show us images of his travels on his wall projected through a slide a slide projector and that was the time I said yeah yeah you know slides yeah you can shoot something like this and you can impress your friends and you see all these colors on the wall and and but but from that point onwards it took me a few years to finally get hold of of a used camera somewhere and uh, essentially my photography happened because of my disinterest with the the organized system of teaching that they do in the schools. And I realized that I I was desperately searching for my identity. I was not a good student. I was not a strong looking burly kid who could just go out and, uh, you know, uh, get into fights with people and, and, uh, you know, come back home a winner. So I was this quite shy kid who was trying to find an identity 
against the organized systemic way of bringing people up. I was, you know, coming from a very average middle class family. We were asked to just study, make some career, you know, follow follow all the regimented procedures, et cetera, et cetera. But somehow my uh, acute sense of observation told me that I need, I see things more acutely and I observe people. And somehow uh, photography gave me a, a strength and, and my own identity. I said, that like, you know, I am somebody. I, I'm an artist, I do something, you know. I don't stand in the middle of the street and waste my time. I don't know, it, it's just, just going back. Um, I'm going by 35 years, uh, Jeff, it's hard, okay? That's okay, so, man. Yeah, yeah. Time travel, time so, travel with us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but somehow the, the big lightning bolt came when I, when I became serious enough and after getting my camera, and I'm still talking pre-internet days, there was no information, right? The only access to images was a few magazines I used to get because of my interest in music. So I used to get this magazine called The Sun, which is a tabloid from England. So, so we had an Indian version of it, but I used to see all these images of rock stars and their band album covers. That that became my Bible, and I said, I want to shoot like this, you know. And uh, that's that's how it all began. And then there there is a a very old market in New Delhi where they sell secondhand books on every Sunday. And I used to catch a bus for two hours, and I used to go there. I still never had the money to buy those books, but I would flick through the pages and I would try to memorize the photos, go back home and try and replicate those photos with all the notes that, okay, uh, picture of a tree, 5 p.m., 5.6 aperture, that's my shutter speed. Wow. And then after a few days, the images would come out and they would look like shit. I said, oh no, I'm <laughs> doing something wrong. You know, I, I, and then the process would repeat itself because everything was hit and trial right there was no education as such and and there were no books until i found some good books eventually but but learning in the pre-internet age was a challenge i remember this that's for both yeah. i mean i'm not that much younger than you like i i fully understand this you do though you do do look much younger but but that was the challenge right when when you lack of choice becomes an opportunity you know when you have only two books in front of you and which only contain about 100 photos then that means every photograph has already established itself in your brain so firmly that when i'm shooting outside there is always a recall from one of those 100 images if i see a staircase and i see a little girl running on the staircase i said oh well, that reminds me of that image you know i need to take that so so you know that's I would say the uh, the edu imitation was a big part of my education. Yeah, learning, I, think that, I think that's everybody. Yeah, that's yeah, that's just, that's super interesting. Yeah, lear learning learning the craft, learning to shoot, uh, j just like the big guys uh, right from the start, uh, with my own sort of my own invented tools and my own light shapers and my own methods of whatever I could do. And I remember it's so funny that I had a 50 millimeter lens and somebody said, and I used to look at these portraits wherever the background is out of focus, right? And the bokeh it's called. And I said, ah, why am I not getting this, you know? And then somebody told me, oh, you have to have a long lens to do that. And I said, oh, that's the trick. And that was like a breakthrough 
when I was like 16 or 17, I said, ah, oh, that's what it's all about, you know? And, and so, so these little milestones, but eventually uh, rock and roll was the thing, you know? The music provided all the fuel which kept me away from the exoticized version of Indian images that we see even today being produced in millions and millions that I was so sure that, no, this is not cool. You know, like, I don't want to shoot the colors of India. I don't want to shoot the sadhus of India because that's not cool. I want to, I want to shoot like this picture of Van Halen. Or, like cool, or like cool in the sense, like in the kid sense of the word where like you're a teenager and you're like, that's not cool. Like that. Yeah. hundred percent. That's such, 100%. that comes from such a, a pure place to be like, eh, yeah. I'm not into that stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, so I was, uh, in the learning stage, beginning years, uh, and I was talking about why I did not shoot the normal stuff and why I had to not do the obvious things that photographers are supposed to do, you know, shoot sunsets or trees or silhouettes or, you know, colors or, or old people with their freckles and their lines, because uh, as I said, it just wasn't cool to me. And, and one such moment is so clear in my head that I, somebody told me to shoot a particular sunrise from a vantage point, which was very hard to get to. Finally, I made it there uh, at 4.35 AM in the morning and I saw 70 people with their cameras and their tripods. <laughs> I said, oh shit, no, no, that's, that's not my game. And I'm, I'm definitely not one of them. And I, I came down, I didn't shoot anything, but I took a picture of them shooting the sunrise. So that was my thing, right? To, to, to be an observer of humanity rather than create uh, beautiful scenes, you know, and, and that was, that was right from the start, right. To not follow the obvious. And did that, that same very, yeah, that same did evening. That, mm, go ahead. Sorry. Mm. Did that um, made you different from the rest of the bunch and give you more opportunities? Do you think? Oh, it took away all the opportunities, not really give me, gave me because, because when you, when you, when you're shooting your own thing, people find it very difficult to, to give you, put you in a box uh, and they, oh, are you a landscape guy? No. I, what is it that you do? I said, I don't know. I'll, I'll, till that time I had not really discovered who I really am. But one thing for sure that in 1997 is the year that I got married. And I was uh, a graduate in commerce and I realized that I'm not going to pursue my father's business and I'm not going to look for a job and I'm going to be a photographer. So that was the time that I worked very solidly on my fashion portfolio, started learning portraits, started bought a set of lights and started creating uh, interesting looking portraits of people. And then I, it was 1999, or 2000, when I officially launched myself as a professional photographer, I went to just meet a magazine's office, walked straight into their, uh, the editor's cabin with a big, huge suitcase with large prints. I said, well, this is my work. What, what do you have for me? And she said, okay, uh, day after tomorrow is your first shoot. And, and that's how it all began. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that went well then. That, that went pretty okay for the next 15 years, uh, Benny. And, and yes, I would say so. Yeah. And many, many things happened in, in between. I, I got to shoot a ton of things. I was sent to different countries. Uh, but somehow, I think it was year 2010 when I became serious about advertising. 
because what happened was that in 2008 and 2009, the big recession happened, as we all know, in the economy global. And there was a major crash. And then the, the international magazines started shutting down and they were not getting enough ads, ad revenue, right? But then somehow uh, I did um, start my advertising career working for brands. Uh, but all of that, yeah, so that, 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 that is the professional side of things. But my disillusionment with the creation of aspirational images was the biggest problem. And it still is the biggest problem. I, 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 I call myself a commercially successful professional photographer, but at the end of the day, the stuff that we do is great. It's great. It, it's a vocation. It, it pays the rent. But at the end of the day, what you're doing uh, is somebody else's vision brought into like a fruition, you know? Yeah. And uh, you have to re uh, rather relinquish your creativity because it's not, it's not mine anyway. I'm there mm -hmm. as a skillful executioner of an idea and not more yes. than that, you know? So and, yeah, go ahead. is that yeah. what made you to to come to the NFTs? 100%, yeah. And, and, and throughout these last 20 years of creating aspirational images, I had different phases in my life of creating different styles of images and what you're, what you're seeing right now, that was a phase which started from 2006 and lasted till 2013 or 14, where, so what was happening is that, that with all this aspirational commercial work, my personal work never stopped, even hmm. for a week, you know, uh, whether it's work based in India or shoot photographs of people or understanding humanity, all of it, the process never began. So I'm, I'm like a split personality, you know, with, with one uh, commercial photographer as a completely different side of my brain. And then the artistic work, which has been happening throughout the last two decades. And very interestingly, I was never big into Instagram. I never really entered the arena. I completely missed the bus because I thought, man, no, I'm like, I was going to ask there. you about that because it feels like the thing that you're talking about is the thing that was huge on Instagram. And so I was like, you must have been pretty bad at Instagram because I was horrible, right? It was and all like waterfalls <laughs> and bikinis and like, uh, you know, that kind I of was like in denial. Culture. I was in complete denial of Instagram. I said, no, that's not the medium. That's not my frame. Uh, if, if anyone's interested in my work, they're going to call me. And the, the interesting part is that my personal work was never shown to public. It was all being col collected for my own interest and maybe for a future archive somewhere, maybe for a future book until I heard of NFTs and a friend of mine pursued me, he said, dude, you've got to check this out. You, this, this is where your work belongs. And that's, that's how the personal ar archive finally found a platform worthy of a release, you know, hmm. that's, that's, that's how it all started. Yeah. An image like this, uh, absolutely. Because, uh, I, I have been on trips sent, sent by clients and magazines, but these images were never given to them because they were too personal for me, this, this, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and it, so, doesn't, it doesn't sell something for them, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's interesting, right, that, that all the professional commissioned work increased my, so there are advantages to that, you know, many people feel that maybe, oh, you're not an artist, you know, you're not fully an artist because you, you shoot this for a living, but I would argue that. 
I feel that being a commercial photography has kind of sharpened my skills, uh, especially technical skills and, and to work with limitations, uh, you know, to have a really solid workflow in place and adhering to time schedules. So all these professional image making qualities are now I am solely using uh, for my personal work. And uh, so this is how what what my journey is all about, you know, and, and I think NFTs finally gave me the opportunity to uh, release uh, and, and perhaps continue my path, you know, because I, I feel I see my future in it, to be very honest, mm. uh, because because the traditional galleries here in India are uh, and I have no qualms in saying that that they are very, very, very gatekeeping. You have to be like a like a local goon or a local politician, either of the two, to get inside. <laughs> you know? So, so in a way, in a way, you think that the NFTs uh, open the door to yourself, basically, to show yourself to the world. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, Benny, and and I'm so happy being here because the transactional nature of my commercial work versus the artistic acceptance of my visions is far more rewarding you know than mm. than the beginning and the end of a job and the money comes home and then everybody forgets about it and i can't even show it to anyone you know so uh, barring barring a few jobs where i was given commercial projects purely based on my own interpretation of their themes so those were the lucky days, right? Where people say that we want you to do our campaign because only you can do this. We, you, you're not just a vendor now, you know? So, so thankfully, some of those jobs gave me in immense amount of creative satisfaction, uh, also global collaborations and some name also, you know, uh, I, I shouldn't deny that. So you just talked about um, a little bit of of the politics in in India and how there's a lot of gatekeeping. Uh, one of the things you you are our first guest from from that amazing country here, and one yeah. of the things that I wanted to ask you is that I'm I'm quite I quite I, I follow a lot of news in crypto and I, I'm in photography, but I still spend a lot of time searching crypto and coins and markets mm. and and trading and i've been seeing that india has increased the the taxes on 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 crypto and now the last news that i've heard is that the central bank wants to ban it wants to ban cryptocurrency well is that something that you are aware of it and does uh, it very much does it worry you aware. i'm very much aware because uh, you know also be, being at a certain age in my life, I do manage my finances very well. Uh, and I have to, there's no other choice. I, I cannot just be a the starving artist, happy with this, whatever, you know, there, there is family, there's future, there's... So I, I do follow economics very closely. And uh, even though there have been talks to ban it, the 30% tax is more like in terms with the global precedent, I would say. If yep. we if we decide to cash out, uh, but I'm uh, kind of equipping myself more and more with the DeFi nomics, so that I don't have to pull out the money. I, I, that's I, interesting to know. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, for sure. So so learning learning the dynamics of investing crypto and and you know whether it's 
whatever there are a few terms and i have i have friends who help me out with this but i'm very keenly invested in being a crypto maxi for the future you know uh, but it can super be interesting banned. sure but yeah. Yes, it's going to be difficult to ban something that is on chain. Uh, yeah, my question is, well, it would be the ramps that are going to be regulated for sure. But yeah. one other thing is that if crypto is is banned um, and you are an artist that puts your work on the chain and if they can ban a certain way, because everyone can see what your address is because the blockchain mm. is 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 something that is public. Um, yeah. Do you see in any way a problem in terms of your art being out there because you are, in fact, uh, trading crypto and that is public? Do you well, see that, that can be a problem? Not at all. I don't think so. See, because I am, as I told you, it's I don't earn cash, right? Every transaction, whatever onboarding or whatever whatever ramping I've done is all traceable through my bank account. So I have every penny is accountable and tax paid. So there's no reason as such if somebody comes to me that, oh, you know, you have you you've bought crypto worth so much money and, and what is what is the proof of that? I said, okay, here it is. Here's my bank account, here's my statement. That's how I earned the money and that's how I invested it. You know? So hmm. but but to be very honest, because India the numbers are huge, right? And I think with the speed that the crypto is being adopted here, we have news programs telling people about crypto. We have daily mm -hmm. newspaper articles. So absolutely no way. I don't see a chance. I am okay with taxation. I'm okay with all of this. Uh, the, the banks do have to worry, like, like they are worrying all over the world. Yeah. But, uh, but India is too big to be, to be stopped in the, in the bud. It's not possible. Um, good to know. Good to know. Absolutely. Let's chat about your Sloika drop, which is one of my favorites. Um, yeah, this drop feels so different to me than your first one. Yeah, this one feels like it has its own like personality. Um, and I just wanted to like, talk to you about it feels like this this collection there was some sort of like message or intent that you were trying to get across or like a feeling and like mm. it, it it feels almost like a very mature like vision of, from someone who really understands and knows what they're good at and so i just just wondering if you wanted to talk about what your feelings were with this drop and what, what are you trying to convey with this? Because I feel like it's uh, yeah, quite yeah, magical. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Thank you so much. And, 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 and double thanks to you for, uh, for acquiring two pieces of from here. It's important to put this work into the context uh, of what I have been doing otherwise, you know, I think it's rather important that, but I think if I have to jump to this body of work, I think it's for me, it was extremely essential to tell the story in the simplest of uh, visual languages. And I really, really distilled all that I knew about photography. And my most important personal challenge was to, of course, tell, tell this unique story, but also to do it in a style that is not easily referenced, you know, 
you you can't say that oh this style comes from that era or that year or that photographer and i think that for me see that becomes a challenge like when when you are a student of photography all your life and you've seen hundreds of books right it's there is an inner compass that keeps telling you that oh you're copying this guy or you're copying that guy or you know there is always a direct referencing and i see it a lot in in fact uh, but in this particular series i knew that i had hit upon something which i know is not easily referenceable you know and i think that for me <laughs> you're looking at the accidental grow which i never uh, saw that and i just thought it's, it's kind of amazing yeah 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 so 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 essentially this is like a stripped down version of what an image can be with the bare essential juxtaposition of very organic shapes and human form which is almost like vector and geometrical and in my head the idea was uh, th that that i saw the man and nature coming together as some sort of an an invisible machine which is invisible you know and it took me a while to really explain it to myself that that why am i so compelled to look at images like this and and i think then being everything being foggy and low contrasty just adds to that you know another thing which i really want to tell uh, both of you and rather everybody is that that in my image you know the the intent is to actually say that everything is part of the image itself the tonality the subjects from left corner to right corner the the elements everything has to come together to deliver a message that's probably just one sentence you know so whether uh, so so yeah so i think i really strongly believe in that through all my bodies of works that are out there that everything is the image not just a subject or a window or you know what i'm saying so everything has to come together to support the the protagonist so to speak i'm Go ahead. I have to say that this collection is, I really love this collection. I've, I've remembered talking with Richard Pilnick about this collection and whenever you dropped. Mm. And I always loved the, the second, the second photo, the photo number two. And I think at the time I had a, I had a project in my mind of a project of NFTs in my mind. And I asked Richard to speak with you about this photo and everything. Mm. Yeah. And, and I love that you say that this is a way to communicate something simple. And I think that is, that is very true. And I think that is so difficult to do so difficult to, to transmit a, a simple idea mm -hmm. and hearing you talking about this collection and how you, your photos can be translated in one phrase and everything is one simple and direct message i i'm really glad you put this you put yourself up there you put you put your soul on and on the nfts because we can um we can enjoy your art so i just wanted to say this thank you so much i really i really enjoy your <laughs> collection thank you bernardo thank you and and see that's what it is right it's not easy to first of all satisfy yourself and then to satisfy somebody else's expectation from what they are how they are going to react so so my 
fundamental way to photography is that first of all, I don't think art is subjective, especially for the creator. And it's something hmm. slightly heavy what, that I'm saying. Yeah, yeah go what, what you mean about that? What do you mean? Go, yeah. go. <laughs> Dig into that one. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so it's, it's a common saying. And I first of all want to say that wearing a badge of a photographer is far bigger a responsibility than wearing a badge of an artist you know, because it's very easy to get behind and hide yourself behind an artistic pretense that you can call your own, but it somehow doesn't sound convincing, you know? So I refuse to, to wear that. And I, I still call myself a photographer because I feel it's a bigger responsibility because you are also, you're also creating images for a discipline, right? I mean, in my own history of studying photography, I, I, I have a feeling that being true to the practice of photography, it's important to do justice to the craft itself. And that being said, when I say that the, from the artist's perspective, art is objective. I am measuring my piece of work for its merit based on several judgment points, you know? And then I may or may not tell this to my viewer, but the viewer mm. eventually has to look at it from a subjective point of view and extract meaning out of it, which is rather not apparent. So, so this is why I, I feel that art is objective and subjective at the same time, but it needs the viewer and the creator to look at it simultaneously to be called as a piece of art. And I feel any art form is incomplete without the either. You know, huh. imagine a, imagine Slash playing in a stadium, you know, his Les Paul standing in front of a Marshall stack, he hits that A chord and there's nobody there in the stadium. It's all empty. It ceases to be a piece of music. Do right? you feel the same way about, I'm sorry to cut you off, but do you feel the same no. way about like painting? Because, it, or do you think this is singular to music really. and photography? Not really. No, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. If you look at the works of extreme painters, uh, senior painters and people who have given their lives to a craft, you see that they have a style, a unique style. And it has probably taken them years and years to finally reach to that point. Okay, then, then say, this is my style and my work is important even if I draw a straight line because it's not coming from the paint or the brush. It's coming from my understanding and my own knowledge base and my practice of last 20, 30 years, you know? Yeah. And then, so, then, yeah, go ahead. No, no, so go ahead. I wanted to, to, I wanted to go back a little bit here. Uh, whenever you said that you think this, uh, your work needs to be objective and the viewers want to be, need to be subjective. And I wanted to go back and trying to understand, can you then say that something is objectively good or objectively not good. Yeah, you mean from, from which point of view? Are you, are you saying from the, from the viewer's point of view or the creator's point of view? Um, in this case, from the viewer's point of view, whenever I'm, I'm seeing a photo from someone that yeah. if, if it was created from an objective point of view, can I say that objectively, I think this is good? Yeah. Or I can I say that this is this is bad? No, of course you can you can say that. 
Absolutely. And, and, and I think that's what curators do, right? Because like, in, like I've, I've, I've been through your collections, uh, Bernardo and Jeff Excel, and I feel that how your curation is now looking, it's, it's as artistic as the artists who have produced that work. And I feel that there is an internal mechanism reacting with the images in a way which is as important as the artist. And you are objectively looking at the merits of the, the, the piece of art. And then if you are satisfied with your objectivism and your subjectivism at the same time, then you perhaps decide to acquire it, you know. But hmm. but I feel that we all measure things objectively. Sorry, sorry, Jeff, go ahead. No, I just, you're, you're, it feels like you're building to this point where it's like, you're putting collectors on the same kind of level as artists. And I don't want to say like one's better or one's worse or one's more or less important, but there's always that dangerous tipping point where um, artists, artists <clears throat> sometimes will elevate collectors to a point where there's a tipping point and the power, the power, which is unfortunate, but with this kind of financialization of everything, the power shifts to the collector. And I always am nervous about getting into that area. Correct. What would you say, like, is, is, you know, like, I know that like, an artist and a collector's have to be, have like a symbiotic relationship a little bit, but like, do you have any feelings or opinions about where that balance should be? Uh, yeah, and see, I understand the power dynamic comes from the fact that one person wants to sell. True. Right? That is, and as soon as you take that pressure out of the equation, the somehow the power, power, balance, power then hangs in the balance, where the artist feels that, okay, this is my work out there, and this is what, I, what, is, what it's taken me to produce. Now it's entirely up to the the buyer or the collector to to put hands on it, and and it's a it's a difficult one to to answer because if if you look at the success of different artists versus mine, I I am definitely not successful in the sense that I do feel helpless but never hopeless, you know, because I know that I do not want to feel the pressure to sell because it'll it'll in my own mind it'll disturb the balance you know i'd rather have somebody fall in love with an image and and tell me that i absolutely love your image but i don't think i have the money to buy it i, I would happily airdrop it to anyone i well, think i don't know if you want to say that on this on this podcast do that <laughs> no <laughs> there goes all your work <laughs> Listen, man, you know, it's, I know I'm saying all this in a, from a, from a, from a very interesting point of view that people with money to spend have the ability to change lives of the artists and the people surrounding them. I think once that picture is understood, I, I somehow feel in the space that most artists feel that collectors are just wallets with money. They don't realize that there are, they are very intelligent people, very gullible uh taking much more care to interact with the art than the actually artist itself and i and i say that 
after having studied several collections of several people and i feel that there is a lot of care being taken you know and i think that's one reason that i'll never airdrop an image absolutely without anyone's knowing uh you know unless yeah. i know what the person is, is expecting right and uh, it's like receiving a bad birthday gift or you know and you don't know what to do with it you you, you can't pass it around you just you, know? you just say you shouldn't i think that's the best that's the best <laughs> answer okay. to those things yeah i know i know and 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 this these things happen all the time right but i do so, feel yeah go ahead no no sorry i interrupted you no no i i think i think the 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 everlasting debate of objectivism versus subjectivism it's it has to be understood slightly better right because artists get away with self proclaimed subjectivism a little too easily you know if i were to walk around my street and shoot a pebble covering a leaf and i say it it describes my feelings of such and such and such and i say jeff do you feel it and jeff won't say no i don't feel it right that's like me <laughs> so i think i think i i wanted to touch a little bit on that as well what you said about the 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 artist selling um how how was it to to drop because you've you first drop on foundation a big collection actually yeah. two collections that you have in there two. and yeah. i don't think you sold any of those is that None. correct no yeah no. sorry <laughs> and then and then you you dropped on sloika and then you sold that one you sold some photos of that one but you continued to be in exactly the same um how do you say in the enthusiasm same... or motivation yes or something like you, that you, a yes. motivation exactly i can see you continue not to chill but continue to be in the space continue to do the spaces being more and more an active presence and never i never shilling. heard you I've never, never heard, I never, I've heard, never heard you, you show, which is amazing. Yes. I, so I how will, can you, yeah, how never can you continue to that to do that? I always I, give us all a lesson in Zen here, because I feel like uh, Jesus. I'll not... tell you something. Uh, I I have a feeling. I'll okay. I'll be honest with you. There is a certain romanticized notion about not giving a fuck to sell. There's a certain romanticized idea. I don't, I don't work for money, right? I think that's a lot of bullshit, basically. Okay. I have a feeling that as long as the artist is selling or making efforts to sell, but not degrading the value, the sales pitch has to maintain the artistic integrity of the artist. Okay. And I think as long as you're not devaluing your product, there is absolutely no harm in having a desire to sell out. I do want to sell my, my future. I see my future in the NFTs, right? But, but in terms of my motivation, I think it's, it's, it's rather increasing now. I see myself because I think I value success very differently because, you know, a few hundred or a couple of thousand dollars won't really move my needle, you know? To be very honest with you, because I I crossed that threshold twenty five years back, right? So yeah, I I have to tell you, and from speaking with other people, um, the 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 no chill chill I think is the the one that works the best. 
yeah perhaps perhaps you know but but i do feel that that why my enthusiasm is is on the rise is that once i figured out that i'm in this space to not measure what i'm taking but what i'm actually giving i think that changed the dynamic forever in my mind you know and i started taking interest in artists work and i started commenting on it intelligently and now people come to me with some kind of an artistic uh, advice or curation advice i'm more than happy to talk to them and give them ideas and you know write their descriptions or in whatever way that i can help and that is elevating my status in the community which i feel i'm i'm truly in, indebted to you know and and uh, it's an honor actually you know to be in that position and see again the problem is that uh, we all came for artistic rec recognition and we're getting it but if it's not matching up to a predisposed level of expectation then i have no right to call myself a no success artist you know or an unsuccessful artist it, it would de defeat the purpose you know i feel like there's so much value in knowing exactly who you are and what you are and and being at least from my perspective incredibly patient with with how your sales are going and how the space is interacting and for me <clears throat> it reminds me of something tj thorne told me once which was just like you know i'm i'm not counting it was it was just boiled down as like yeah it was like essentially like i'm not counting i'm not shilling to people i'm just like trying to make friends and then you know when i do drop something i'll tell my friends about it which is like yeah. it just felt so pure and i i just feel like I don't know how to say this in any other, in any other terms. And I don't want to like create FOMO, but like, I think, I think people are, are missing out a little bit on a mitt. So it's one of the reasons why I was really excited about having you on. Um, and I just think that you one add an incredible amount to the space, but two, your photography is amazing. And I'm really in love with that Slowka drop. Um, I, might go get another one after this. I gotta be honest, um, but okay. I do love it, and yeah. I do love the way you see things. And it's it, it could you're a, you're a professor, right, or you're a teacher, right? I do teach uh, for. I'm a part of the Leica Academy here in India. And, yeah, and I, you could tell. Yeah. You could tell that you're okay. like. You, okay. you could tell that you're really good at that because um, you explain things in a really amazing way. You've, you've made me think of a lot of of. of more questions that I could ask, but unfortunately we're running up against. Yes. Time it it here, seems so. like we are just, we are just on the tip of the questions that I wanted to, that, to continue to dig in there. And I think we may do some spaces together or we just do a call together. And yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll I think a space it. is a space is a great idea, but let, before yeah. we roll, um, let's talk about, I always liked highlighting other artists too. And so if you want to talk about just quickly, the three artists that you brought for us to look at, Wow, uh, I'm I'm in love with so many of them, uh, it, it, and and I'm so glad that you use the word highlight rather than showcase. And I think I think that's important because uh, because I do feel see I I like it when photography reaches a level where people start to bend the genre 
you know, when when a level of control comes in where then they're not bound by a genre as such or a particular style. And, I, and, and I'm in love with that kind of work, you know, where there is no easy identify, uh, identification of, okay, this is good. And anyways, I mean, th these are longer topics which we'll get into, but I I'll, know, I'll, I know. <laughs> I, I, there's, there's a lot of explanation to be done. But anyways, I don't know. I, I, I give you three names and I, I feel that Yalda Eskandari's work is absolutely phenomenal for so many multiple reasons and i bought a piece from her uh, essentially because of the the extension of the medium itself so she's taking classical paintings uh, and using those paintings to put across a message which talks about her geographical and cultural constraint wait is this and, the stuff i'm showing is this what you're talking about yeah yeah yes. yeah oh i didn't know these were classical paintings that's yeah yeah ridiculous. so every image has a name which is an actually which in, which is like an homage to a classical painting and then there is her own process and her own ideas and her own story which is being helped by with the help of a projection of a classical painting so yeah, I love these. yeah so i think yalda pushes the medium uh, into a level of visual art which uh, i can on, i can only dream of you know and uh, yeah and i think these are not easy images to digest because they they invest you need to invest time to look at these and to absorb the full intensity of how she has been able to push the medium so much where photography is just a tool and not the virtue you it's know? interesting because I didn't invest that time. The first time I came across this project, I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. And I didn't look at them long enough. And now I'm like, oh, this is actually very special. It's beautiful. I think the, I, I knew and the other day I did a space and Yelda talked in the space. And then I went to see this collection and I fell in love with it as well. But yeah, there's so yeah, much. Yeah. There's not enough. There's so much. Yeah, there's so much going on, and also, and also to to actually produce work. See, it's very easy to protest on the street with your flags and your candles, but it's very difficult to make art, which is coming from a society which is which has always been patriarchal and which is ob always obsessive, and and uh, you know. So I think this is where uh, she gets all the marks, uh, in in my opinion. You know. She really yeah, touches the level. Very cool. And for the next one? Oh, yes. Uh, it's so interesting uh, that I have never heard uh, from Peter Frank. I have not heard him in the spaces. But I look at some of this work and I feel that it it is again pushing the boundaries of of a genre or a medium into something which is which maybe in the future, it's almost like seeing visions from an alternate reality. You know it's real, but you also know that it's not real. And I feel that that kind of uh, treatment and subject matter uh, is, uh, is definitely a, a work of a very, very deep level artistic uh, for mind, so to speak, you know, and, and you should see his work on foundation uh, which is, uh, again, uh, absolutely, absolutely amazing. 
and and I you're, hmm. sorry sorry Mike I think I think Jeff wants to say something but his mic is on sorry about that I was just gonna try to check his stuff out on foundation quickly but yeah I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to do it okay yeah maybe there's a link tree or yeah. I I think I've seen that work before as well and it was a, it, it was given to me by another artist as well so yeah. it's it's something that is yeah. different for sure very different yeah and and i'm saying that it's easy to be different for the sake of being different but right but this different is coming from an extreme understanding of the medium and then to shape it to his version of different you know and i think and i think this is what is important for me uh i have not seen this stuff this is cool this one I didn't. I never seen. I've seen the 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 open scene one. I don't even understand what I'm looking at. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think my my first interactions with art go go much deeper when I'm visually challenged, when I don't really understand what I'm looking at. Which yeah. which then pulls me in. This is you stunning. Know? It almost looks like a bolt of lightning, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's many many things happening and. Yeah, I do. I do like to be challenged, either conceptually or or visually. Wow! Is he an artist or a photographer? Sorry. I think again, he's an artist using photographic form as a medium. But but, see, it's so interesting that that now you said is he an artist or a photographer, right? It's such a yeah, such just... a cool <laughs> state of mind, right? I know it's silly, but it's like I I struggle with that too. I always say, are you you know photographer or artist? And I'm like. They're all artists, but no, yeah. I was asking this because Amit just said that he's not an artist, he's a photographer, and it's much more difficult to to to, to have that as mm -hmm. a as an identifier. Yeah. Unless so I was just unless, wondering. Yeah, unless other people start calling me an artist, you know, Benny, I think I think that's that's what is important. I think you're yeah, look artist. at this image of this card. Just scroll down, please, a little. Uh this one. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've seen this one. I was tempted to buy this one, actually yeah although i've never seen this in the top corner yeah this is like an animation if you see if you read the title it'll show you something it's um wait for the waiting for the, the... <laughs> yeah this is fantastic stuff and last and but last, not least the last one was uh pete uh i i wanted jeff to include himself in the game uh i really love his work i don't know why he doesn't think much of it, but but I'm a big fan, by the way. I'm we are, we are. very egotistical. That's oh. not very secret, actually. The neighbor the neighborhood collection That's, is coming my, one day. Jesus, the, and... the neighborhood collection is right up there, man. You know. Anyways, uh, this guy's stuff looks great. Yeah, and and uh, I think if you don't go to object because uh, the object oh. sort of UI is so freaking crazy, and and I think. <laughs> I'll try to find the other. I'll try to find the other link. Yeah, there, there must be. There must Sorry be like that. an open, open sea, like a motorland collection is quite interesting. What is it that you like about Pete? About uh, Pete? I, I, I absolutely like Pete because he doesn't play to the gallery at all. You know, he's uh, he's so so brazen in his approach in the NFT ecosystem which is why i like him a lot that he doesn't shape himself to become somebody else to come across as an as a 
as somebody that that you know i mean i mean his his persona and his personality are very much in line with each other and there is this certain craziness about his process and he's also a very process based artist very very deep into his craft and yeah, I mean, uh, this is 12 ETH. like he definitely is not messing around he's like no this no is what this is what it's worth no 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 no, 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 no. i don't know why Reserve. that is 12 ETH. Oh, okay. uh, that's a like, that, that was mind. bought by somebody else sure. but uh but i bought one from him and uh but yeah oh, you, like you see one. you see a, a very very deep and and also he works with real mediums you know so it's not just a it's not just a digital escape he's working with real mm. things and making paints move and then making these videos and i think it's it's one of the most unique amalgamations of uh, using sound and art and all of it together i missed this one i wanted to buy it somebody snacked it this me. looks yeah insane <laughs> i love it yeah, <laughs> i love this type of 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 yeah. just kind of madness yeah his his yeah. work's pretty pretty intense thank you so much amit because there's no other way i would probably seen this yeah in any this other is a way. bit of a selfish practice like people bring stuff and i'm like oh thanks i wouldn't have seen this <laughs> yeah we are using the guests to for us <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's always a pleasure always well i think that's about so, time Yes. Unfortunately, so, is it? Yeah. Yes. I think we are going to continue. And I think I need to speak with you because I think we should continue this in some spaces. There are a lot yeah. of things in here that I would want to go deep, deeper into, into discussion. And I think you are the person to teach me that. You know, um, I, I always come from a, a perspective that I want to learn more. And I think you are one of the people that we need to learn from. So thank you so much for that. I agree. Likewise, guys. Likewise, I don't know. I I think uh, I, I go through your tweets and your threads, and your relationship with the art, and it's phenomenal and heartwarming to see how much care is going in. You know, uh, and I think that's really really commendable. I I wish artists were were equally serious about really really expanding from their own personal self and going further into dimensions and i think you guys are doing that and i uh, hats off to you uh, uh, and and i'm not saying this uh, because i have to i, I really really mean it thank you very so much yeah, so guys this is the end of this episode and thank you so much for hearing amit thank you so much for coming once again um Thanks. yeah is there anything you would like to say before you go no, I I would just rather continue some some topics and discussions about uh, misunderstood genres, uh, also a topic of scarcity because you know I've 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 been quite a productive and prolific artist you know and I and I feel that should I consider my lack of sales is any kind of a hindrance to minting new work and I have some of these doubts and questions and I feel sometimes that I don't have the right answers in my own head if you know what is the market perception should i care about the perception at all some of these points are tricky right and i feel at a later stage uh, we can discuss it and and we can discuss it in a way that the community also helps from the discussion 
you know. Yes, I actually, me and Jeff, we were talking about doing some of these uh, episodes live, where we could have um, comments on the side. Yeah. So we could bring, but that well, we are still debating yeah. how to do that. Yeah. So, everyone, thank you for for coming a bit. Thank you, everyone that is listening and seeing. Once again, please subscribe. Please press the like button. That's the way we can share our work more. And if you have any suggestions or any news that we should talk about, please reach me or reach Jeff or our big hugs uh, Discord, Twitter, or the Utility Podcast. So without further ado, thank you so much, everyone. Thanks, guys. And see you next week. Bye-bye. Awesome.